Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Big E here. This is law for Virginia law enforcement officers. We're talking about law. What do you need to know in the Commonwealth of Virginia to better strengthen and serve your communities as a law enforcement officer, regardless of what you do? But today we're going to talk about traffic stops. And we're going to focus on how long a traffic stop can actually take under the Constitution. Um, there's a couple of new cases that came out back in January, and I haven't had a chance to talk about them until today, but they're both really interesting cases about how to articulate and identify the reasons why you're extending a traffic stop, why this particular traffic stop is different than other ones and caused you to extend it, uh, extend the length of it under the Fourth Amendment. We know from the 1960s, from the Terry versus Ohio case, that the only thing that you need in order to lawfully stop a vehicle is reasonable suspicion. Reasonable suspicion to believe that a person is engaging in criminal activity. And if you have reasonable articulable suspicion, if you can point to the specific facts that give, give rise to a belief this person is committing some kind of criminal offense, then you can detain that person, that vehicle, and everybody in that car uh, for a reasonable amount of time in order to identify them, question them briefly, and confirm or dispel your suspicions of criminal activity, whatever it is, you know, running a red light or uh, a stop sign violation or whatever. And you can use whatever force or steps are necessary to maintain the status quo. Um, so the key formulation here is, and what we're going to focus on today, is this phrase in Terry versus Ohio that you can, you can detain a person for a reasonable amount of time. Well, what is a reasonable amount of time? Uh, there wasn't a lot of law about this, as it turns out, until 2015, until the United States Supreme Court decided a case called Rodriguez versus United States, where an officer stopped a vehicle for some traffic violation and decided to hold that vehicle after the traffic violation investigation was over because he wanted to get a canine to run around the car. He didn't have reasonable suspicion to believe that there was drugs in the car. He didn't have specific articulable facts he could identify that would say, hey, this is why I thought there were drugs in the car. He just wanted to run a dog around the car. And so he held it beyond uh, the time that was reasonable to investigate the offense for which he had reasonable suspicion. And the U.S. Supreme Court found that his authority for the seizure ended when the tasks tied to the infraction were, re were complete, but also that an officer's authority to hold a vehicle uh, are, is complete when the tasks tied to a traffic infraction reasonably should have been completed. So in other words, an officer has an obligation to complete traffic-based inquiries expeditiously, uh, can't unnecessarily delay them in order to make the stop last longer. And if an officer makes a stop last longer than it should, based on the facts for which he's investigating, whatever that offense is, uh, then any traffic stop beyond that, be prolonged beyond that, becomes unlawful. And so the U.S. Supreme Court in this ruling prohibits law enforcement from doing on-scene investigations into other crimes that they don't have reasonable suspicion for. Um, if those investigations make lengthen or draw out the, uh, the time of the stop. You cannot do an investigation that lengthens the roadside detention. Now, you can ask questions and do investigations that don't measurably extend the duration of the stop. Uh, that's not what the issue here is. The whole focus is on the time of the stop. How long can a stop lawfully last? That's what the U.S. Supreme Court is focused on in Rodriguez.
And so as soon as Rodriguez is decided, we start having all of these cases get handed down from the Court of Appeals, Virginia Supreme Court, Fourth Circuit, and so on, about whether or not a traffic stop was impermissibly lengthened by law enforcement. Uh, for example, uh, you have Johnson versus Commonwealth. This is a case in November of 2016 where police stopped a vehicle for a defective taillight. The defendant was a passenger in the vehicle. And uh, upon when, once he gets the license registration from the driver, before he runs any information through DMV, before he checks the NCIC, before he checks on the vehicle or anything like that, the officer diverts from this and spends some time calling a canine officer. Um, he does learn ultimately the driver is licensed, but then stops investigating the, the traffic infraction. And when the canine officer arrives, um, the officer then for about six minutes assists the canine officer in conducting the dog sniff of the vehicle, you know, getting everybody out of the car and everything like that. Um, and during the course of this, then they find drugs. The court says this is impermissibly extending the stop. The officer uh, lengthened the, the time that was necessary for the stop to investigate something that he didn't have reasonable suspicion for. And so therefore, the stop became unlawful because of that uh, lengthening of that stop. Now, it doesn't mean that anything that lengthens a stop turns a stop into un something unlawful. What's interesting about Johnson, for example, is that in Johnson, uh, during the traffic stop, a citizen walks up and asks the police officer a question and starts talking to the police officer. The court finds that that caused a delay as well, but the delay wasn't an unlawful delay. The officer was doing his job. Something happened that caused the stop to get longer that was outside of his control. And so at that point, you know, the court said, well, that doesn't turn a lawful traffic stop into an unlawful traffic stop. And think of the kinds of things that might lengthen a traffic stop. Uh, NCIC is down, VSIN is down, uh, DMV is down. Um, you have a uh, automatic ticket printing software, and that software goes down, or the printer for the print for the ticket doesn't work, and you don't remember how to write a uniform summons, right? All that kind of stuff uh, might cause it. But if the officer causes the delay by diverting from to something that he doesn't have reasonable suspicion for. His authority for the seizure ends when the tasks tied to the traffic infraction are over or when they reasonably should have been completed. And so the drug investigation here uh, caused the officer to not stay focused on what he was supposed to do, and it turned a lawful traffic stop into a unlawful traffic stop. If the officer was no longer seeking information from NCIC VSIN, no longer waiting for traffic stop, he must have had everything he needed uh, in the eyes of the court, and there was no further reason for any detention of the occupants. Again, the focus here is on the timing. The court in Johnson really goes through and breaks down the time of the stop and actually looks at, you know, the time markers in the video and how long does it take for the officer to do this and that and so on. And if you've ever had a motion to suppress in one of these cases, you've gone through this where the, you know, defense is saying, okay, what are you doing at this time? What are you doing at this time? Why is this taking so long? And so on and so forth. And uh, there might be reasons, but you have to articulate them. And the video doesn't always, it doesn't always explain why something is delayed. So, you know, if you look at, on the other hand, Morris versus Commonwealth, this was a case from the Court of Appeals where officers stopped a car after they ran a license plate and the vehicle, the license plate indicated that the vehicle was impounded in Henrico County, which didn't make a lot of sense because the vehicle's driving around on the road. So the officers talked to the the driver and he says, oh, no, no, I just re redeemed the vehicle. Uh, here's some paperwork that shows that I just picked up the vehicle. 
The officer is not so sure. Uh, he says, well, I want to confirm that this is true. So he goes back to his vehicle to confirm the paperwork. And instead of in Johnson, where, where the, the officer himself calls for a canine, here another officer on the scene calls for a canine officer. So notice already, if somebody else is calling for the canine officer, that's not the primary officer. The primary officer is staying focused on the reason for the investigation, so we haven't caused any delay. When the canine officer arrive, uh, then the other officer assisted in getting the people out of the car. And again, the primary officer is staying focused on this issue with the vehicle supposedly being impounded or not or whatever, checking to make sure the paperwork is, is, is accurate. Um, and so at this point, again, the court says, you know, this is not causing a delay. The other officer is doing the investigation and that's fine. Um, now, in Morris, the driver refuses to get out of the car and said drives away, and they capture him as he drives away. So um, he's got other problems, and he, he causes the he causes the stop to be delayed uh, on his own. But the court goes back to the Rodriguez question and says, "Hey, there's no here. Unlike in Johnson, the officers aren't impermissibly lengthening the stop. Here, uh, the officers are doing exactly what they're supposed to do." Um, and by the way, interestingly, the court says, too, the officers were not required to accept his explanation for why the vehicle came back as impounded, but here he was driving around on the road. Um, you know, the officer was permitted to verify whether or not uh, the the paperwork was accurate. Uh, but, you know, ultimately here, uh, the, the bad guy drives away. When he drives away, he throws his drugs out of the car. I mean, so, you know, in the end... This doesn't really come down to a Rodriguez issue anyway. Uh, the court here writes, what's to suppress? Nothing was seized from the defendant. There was some property abandoned by the side of the road, which police took into, into possession. So, you know, it's the same. It's interesting. I mean, here this case is the same year as Johnson. It's 2016, uh, but it comes out very differently because because not, not only the police, but also the bad guy made a different decision. So that's fine. So, you know, the question then becomes, all right, so when is it okay to extend a stop and when is it not okay? In other words, what kinds of facts give a law enforcement officer the, law, the authority to take a regular traffic stop and make it longer because of what they've encountered? Um, well, U.S. versus Jordan is an example. U.S. versus Jordan's a, a case from 2020 from the Fourth Circuit. Um, there, officers had information the defendant was selling drugs. And they uh, contacted a local police officer who got behind the car and saw the vehicle run a red light. He walked up to the truck. Um, he saw a rubber glove uh, in the vehicle, excuse me, in the, in the defendant's pocket. And he knew that was common packaging for drugs. The defendant's brother then shows up at the scene and tries to interfere. And so at this point, the officer says, you know, I'm going to, before I do anything else, I'm going to wait for backup. And waits about 10 minutes for backup to show up. Um, in that period of time, then a, and a canine shows up, a dog walks around the car, alerts on the vehicle, and they find uh, a kilogram of heroin, a kilogram of cocaine, guns, evidence. I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff, right? Uh, but here the court says there's lots of reasons to suspect drug distribution. And once you suspect drug distribution, then you're going to extend a stop much longer, right? You're going to ask for a canine. You're going to ask for backup and so on. And um, officers are permitted to wait for backup. Uh, if they want to get backup, they're permitted to ask for backup. And that delay caused by waiting for backup was not impermissible under the Fourth Amendment. Officers are permitted to take reasonable steps to not only maintain the status quo, but protect their safety during an investigative stop. So in that same year, the Fourth Circuit also decided a case called U.S. versus Villa Vicencio. And this was a case, this was a speeding stop on I-95. 
and an officer who knew that, you know, 95 is a place where people move drugs a lot from Florida to New York, that he noticed the vehicle had been rented from Orlando Airport and was scheduled to be returned the next day, which to the officer thought was kind of strange. You drive from Orlando to New York and all the way back. That's weird. Um, he t- the traffic stop took place in North Carolina, which is about 26 hours uh, round trip to the Orlando airport. And the car rental was $630, uh, which is a lot for a one-way 26-hour trip. Um, the officer noticed there were four cell phones in the car, which was a little strange. There was only two people in the car. And in her training experience, the officer articulated, you know, having multiple cell phones is consistent with uh, being involved in some kind of illegal business or drug activity, um, or also maybe working in law enforcement, frankly. Um, so uh, the officer checked the license, checked the registration, talked to the driver. The driver had been speaking English at the beginning, just fine. But as the officer asked more questions about the itinerary, where they had been, uh, the office, the, the gentleman started to indicate he didn't speak English and started to have less of an understanding of English. So the officer switched to Spanish and learned that his story was that, that he had come from North Carolina, come from Florida to North Carolina to visit some girls, but couldn't identify what town they had gone to. Um, he starts to get really nervous as, as, he, as he's asking, answering questions. Um, and so at some point, the officer says, look, I'm just going to give you a warning ticket, gives him the warning ticket. And at that point, the guy's nervousness doesn't change at all. He's still just as nervous as he was at the beginning, which makes the officers think there's something else in something else going on here than just being nervous with the traffic stop. So she decides to search the car, uh, ask for consent, gets consent, and searches, finds a baggie with about 100 credit cards, a credit card skimming device, a uh, master key for gas pumps, fake ID cards. They had been using credit card skimming devices to steal credit card numbers and create new cards all over the eastern seaboard. And so here the court says the reasonable suspicion the officer articulated indicated some kind of drug activity, and that's fine. She was wrong about that, but, you know, reasonable suspicion is a low standard. You're going to be wrong most of the time. She knew there was criminal activity. She just misidentified what the criminal activity was uh, initially. But here the suspicion didn't subside when she issued the warning ticket, And so, therefore, she was permitted to lengthen the stop, and the officer, therefore, acted lawfully. Um, While she was waiting for database checks to come back, the court said she was free, if she's waiting for these license checks to come back, vehicle checks to come back, to talk to the suspects about whatever, about the driver's whatever, the passenger about whatever. There's no limitation on what she can talk to them about, as long as it doesn't lengthen the stop. Um, But here, the officer said, in the totality of the circumstances, there were definitely other facts that aroused additional reasonable suspicion over just speeding. Um, The the itinerary seemed unusual. The the nervousness seemed unusual. And here, you know, the court really focuses on how the officer articulates the nervousness. It's not the normal nervousness you encounter in a traffic stop. This was uh, nervousness that was different. And so she explains how it's different, and that was very effective. Now, I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to that. The next year is a case called U.S. versus Buzzard. And this is a case, again, a traffic violation. This was in a high crime area where officers had made multiple arrests for narcotics. And one of the drivers, the officer recognized, one of the people in the car, the officer recognized, uh, had a history of drug addiction, had recently got out of prison, and was a convicted felon. So the officer decides here, uh, I'm not going to deal with this guy by myself. I'm going to ask for backup. 
So he asks for backup, waits, and notices while he's waiting that one of the guys in the car is moving around a lot. He's not making eye contact. He's acting really strange. The officer asks this question, is there anything illegal in the car? And they say, yeah, we got some drug paraphernalia in the car. So they get him out. They pat him down. Uh, they find out that there are guns in the car. And uh, ultimately, they turn to be felons in possession of firearms. So the, to start with, there's an interesting discussion about this question, is there anything illegal in the car? Um, you know, I have always taught officers don't ask that question because that question goes to cigarettes, drugs, improperly imported uh, taxidermy. I mean, all kinds of stuff, right? What do you, you know, you can ask questions to assure your safety, but then the question is, is there anything in the car that might hurt me? Are there any weapons in the car? You know, you can ask that question a lot of different ways, but you're asking about, is there anything dangerous or deadly or that could hurt me in the car? Not just, is there anything illegal in the car? Here, the officer, the court says, look, it's a high crime area, it's nighttime, there's a guy who's a felon who just got a prison. The officer is certainly permitted to ask about weapons in the car. Uh, the court doesn't like the fact that he asks, is there anything illegal in the car? But, you know, the court says traffic stops are dangerous. Um, this was a complicated situation. We're not going to suppress the evidence because the officer got the word wrong. I encourage you not to do this, though. I think a, a, a local court, your your general district court, your circuit court, maybe the Court of Appeals might be a little stricter than the Fourth Circuit here. Uh, so again, ask questions a little more precisely. But here, the court says it doesn't really matter because the officer's question doesn't extend the stop. Uh, here, he officer is waiting for backup, and again. The court is the court again is very clear. Officers are permitted to wait for additional officers to arrive to safely proceed with a traffic stop as backup, uh, if there's a reason for your safety. And so uh, again, the court doesn't impermissibly stop. The court says the stop isn't impermissibly lengthened uh, because the officer is simply taking steps to to protect his safety. So that takes us to these cases from January. Uh, like I said, there were two big cases from January that I wanted, well, not big cases, but interesting cases I wanted to talk about. And the first is a case called Gubari versus Commonwealth. Uh, this is a court of appeals case from January 11th of 2022 uh, here in Virginia, where an officer stopped the defendant for a window tint violation. Now, you can't stop anybody anymore for window tint violations. That's no longer a primary offense. Uh, but back in the time of this case, when it happened, it was a lawful reason for a stop. And the officer knew and was able to articulate criminals often equip vehicles with illegal window tint to conceal contraband from law enforcement. The officer confirmed the window tint exceeded the legal limit, and both of the people in the vehicle produced New York IDs, but here lacked lawful licenses, lacked the privilege to operate a motor vehicle in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Now, it's interesting. The officer then begins to articulate, well, here are some things that I observed. Uh, when I activated my emergency equipment, the car was very slow to pull over. When I first approached the car on foot, the driver was nervous and had a scared look on his face. Well, lots of drivers are nervous. What made this nervousness different? Well, here the officer articulated uh, the driver and the and the, the driver and the, and the passenger and, the, and Gubari is the passenger in this case uh, were breathing heavily, and the pulse in their necks was visible and rapid. This, the officer said, was different than the kind of nervousness that he usually sees in a regular traffic stop. He also sees COT, which is an illegal narcotic. Um, if you don't know much about COT, we could talk about this like for another hour. COT's really interesting. Uh, it is from uh, Central 
Central Eastern Africa, Yemen, uh, Ethiopia, that Eritrea, that kind of area, um, it is difficult to import to the United States. It is sometimes a Schedule One and sometimes a Schedule Four drug, depending on the state it's in and how decomposed it is. It really only stays Schedule One for a couple of days upon its arrival in the United States, and then after that, it kind of becomes a Schedule Four. Um, people chew it kind of like caffeine, um, like you know you. You get a caffeine-like kind of high. It's a little higher than that, obviously, but it's like a stimulant. But they really do treat it like coffee uh, in their in their home country. Uh, a lot of people chew cot during Ramadan to stave off hunger. Uh, but anyway, they see cot, and, and he notices, he says, you know, in my training experience, drug traffickers will often use cot to stay awake uh, driving long distances. Now, these men claim to have been visiting family in South Carolina, but when the officer talked to them, they gave different answers about where they had been and what they were doing. Um, so it seemed to be they were deceiving the officer. They uh, hear the officer asks, well, how long are you renting the car? Remember the traffic stop in North Carolina where the officer asked how long you rented the car? It was a day and it was a $630 rental. Here, the defendants were renting the car for six months, which here the officer said, well, six months is a really long time to rent a car. Um, and it's also strange then that you have window tint in the car because car rentals don't usually have window tint. This is window tint that appears to have been applied by you guys. Uh, so you put window tint on a car that you're renting. This is unusual. Uh, you are definitely, you seem to be appearing, you, you appear to be trying to conceal some kind of illegal activity. So he calls a canine officer. And here the dog runs around the car alerts the presence of narcotics, but when they search the car, what they find are cigarettes. Uh, these guys are smuggling about 500 cartons of cigarettes, um, which is about 5,000 packs of cigarettes. They did not have a tax stamp. They were smuggling cigarettes. So here the court says the detention and the search were lawful. There was reasonable suspicion to, to, uh, to extend the stop um, to determine, to confirm or dispel the suspicion that this vehicle was containing illegal contraband based upon the articulated facts that the officer uh, just provided us. And that then gave the officer the authority to hold the vehicle until a canine officer arrived and then search the vehicle based on the canine officer's alert. So here in Gubari, we have really excellent articulation. The other case from January is a, is a Fourth Circuit case again called U.S. versus McNeil. This was a speeding and expired registration stop, which again takes about 10 minutes. It took this officer about 10 minutes to do a speeding and expired registration stop. Um, during the stop, uh, while different delays were happening that were outside the officer's control, he did ask the defendant and the uh, passenger about their personal backgrounds, their travel plans. These didn't extend the stop. Um, but during the stop, he makes a bunch of observations. <clears throat> they both were coming from, they both had been going to New Jersey. They had visited New Jersey, but they gave very different answers about why they were going to New Jersey, how long they were in New Jersey, how long they'd known each other. And here again, notice the articulation about the nervousness. He says, these guys are nervous, but again, nervous in a way that's different than people are normally nervous. They're breathing heavily, heavily, and here McNeil's carotid artery was pulsating, and he was continuing to stare at his phone when the officer walked up, which the officer said, that's weird. Most people pay attention to me. They don't pay attention to something else, like they're trying not to look at me. Um, his hand was shaking when he provided his license. He began to sweat when the officer asked for consent to search the car. His pupils were, became pinpoint. Uh, the, the gentleman had fresh track marks on their arms, indicating recent drug use. 
Um, here, the officer also learned the, office, the gentleman had been engaged in some kind of narcotics trafficking and were the subject of an ongoing investigation. Uh, he learned that from other officers, and he found that the defendant's criminal history also involved drugs. So he extends a stop. A canine unit arrives and finds uh, alerts on the vehicle. They find heroin. And uh, again, the here the Fourth Circuit finds the stop, the search, and the length and the extension of the stop to call for the canine are lawful. Um, the initial investigation was perfectly reasonably related to the speeding and registration violations. It took 10 minutes, how long it's supposed to. He didn't extend the stop through his questions. He was allowed to ask the questions, but the questions didn't extend the stop. Um, and once you, um, and again, you're allowed to do that, uh, but once the officer was able to articulate reasons to extend the stop based on the nervousness, based on the observation of the potential drug use, based upon all the factors that I just described, uh, then it becomes reasonable suspicion that there's some kind of drugs involved. He can call for a canine, and uh, the court finds that, this, that the stop and the search are lawful. So what's the, t- what's the takeaway here? Um, in, in, in the world post-Rodriguez, the most important takeaway, the thing that I want you to remember is whatever the mission of your stop is, whatever you have reasonable suspicion for, that sets the time limit for how long you can hold on to a vehicle. So if the mission of the stop, if the thing you have reasonable suspicion for is a mere traffic violation, uh, that's only going to allow for some minimal conversation time, right? Now, the court's very clear. You can still do wanted checks. You can still check for somebody's license and registration and make sure that it's lawful. You can still do things to protect your safety, like waiting for backup. Um, the court, ha- the, the Supreme Court in Rodriguez is very clear about this, right? Uh, these are some fundamental things that are true for any traffic stop You can that are built into any traffic stop. And then if problems arise during the stop that cause the stop to be delayed, hey, that's okay too, right? Some citizen walks up and engages you in conversation, fine. DMV goes down or the printer breaks or whatever. These are things that you can deal with. The defendant's brother shows up and starts mouthing off and causing problems, right? These are things outside your control. You can address these problems and it doesn't impermissibly extend the stop. Um, once you develop reasonable suspicion of some other offense, though, that can permit a more expanded investigation. So let's say you get reasonable suspicion of DUI, right? Imagine you, you walk up to a vehicle, hey, license and registration, they hand you license and registration, and you get the odor of alcohol from their, uh, from their breath as they speak. Well, now we're going to do a DUI field investigation. And how long does that take? Well, that takes a long time, right? We're talking about, you know, 30 minutes maybe or something longer. I don't know. Um, so... Uh, the mission of the stop sets the time limit. And, uh, and and you want to, therefore, be very careful to articulate your observations and why it is, if there's a delay, what caused the delay? Uh, the defendant's brother showed up and started getting in, interfering. A citizen walked up and had a conversation with me. The printer was down, VEASAN was down, whatever. Uh, that's not going to be on video, right? It's not going to be recorded on your body camera, your in-car camera. You need to make sure you document, hey, VEASAN was down from uh, you know 1605 to 1615 or whatever. Um, and if there's something that's suspicious, some fact that you observe that causes you to extend the stop, you need to articulate that as well. Uh, are there inconsistent or misleading statements like in Villa Vicencio, right? Those are the guys driving from Florida to North Carolina in the $630 uh, one-day rental from Orlando Airport. 
Um, are there multiple cell phones? Uh, that kind of thing. And these are things, again, that are not going to be on your body camera necessarily, uh, especially the nervousness, right? And so if you look at the, you know, if you get into court and you say, oh, the the driver and the passenger were nervous, so I thought something was unusual, you know, frankly, the the, the, the judge, the prosecutor, uh, the people in the courtroom aren't going to find that unusual. Everybody's nervous when I get stopped by the police. I get nervous when I get stopped by the police. Uh, and I work in law enforcement. I've been in law enforcement for a decade. So, uh, as a, and, you know, and, and I've been a prosecutor. So I don't, you know, for me, nervousness doesn't, doesn't, doesn't speak to me. But if you're able to articulate, oh no, this nervousness is different than the kind of nervousness I normally see because like in Gubari, uh, they're breathing heavily and the pulse in their necks is visible and rapid. Or in McNeil, uh, his carotid artery is pulsating and he's continuing to stare at his phone when he's approached by the officer. That's abnormal. That's evasive. Okay, now we're getting into a realm where, all right, now I'm starting to see why you thought this nervousness was different than uh, the kind of nervousness that we normally see from a normal traffic stop. So um, those are sort of the takeaways that I see from uh, the cases back in January. Um, the it's a very you know this is a very technical issue, and it's a it's an issue that any officer who's involved in any kind of traffic stop needs to be careful of. But frankly, any officer involved in any kind of stop needs to be aware of, right? This isn't just traffic stops. This is any kind of detention of a citizen, even on the street, uh, for trespassing or for suspicion of drunken public or whatever. So if you are in a, a law enforcement officer and you're ever going to be involved in detaining a person, uh, then you have got to be aware of the, these kinds of limits and uh, and how to navigate them lawfully under the fourth circuit under the under the fourth amendment and how to articulate how you navigated them uh, before the court so i hope today was helpful uh, this is an interesting issue and i'm sure there will be more cases about it so when there are more cases we'll talk about it uh, thank you guys for listening we're on lots of podcasts we're on apple podcasts we're on stitcher uh, soundcloud you can just listen on your phone or your web browser or whatever uh, if you like the podcast tell your friends if you don't like your pod, the podcast, don't tell your friends. Um, uh, hope that you guys are, continue to reach out and provide ideas for the podcast. If you have something that you want me to talk about, uh, let me know. The Supreme Court term is going to wind down in a couple of months, so we'll have some cases to talk about there. The General Assembly is doing the budget, but they're more or less done, so we don't expect a lot more law out of them. Uh, but that's it. Uh, for today, that's all from me. That's all from Big E. Stay safe and don't get captured.